0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
1: Sorry, I know I was kind of r- rambling a lot. a lot of topics there, but uh, a lot of this stuff is kind of fresh in my mind there. So, yeah, um, I love rambling.
0: Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Columbus Blue Jackets. I almost said the beach, which is what I say to myself. It's not entirely <laughs> appropriate. Um, Columbus Blue Jackets, we are joined by P.D. from the Canon. How are you doing? I'm
1: doing great, Kelly. Happy to be here.
0: Great. We are recording this podcast well in advance of the Flyers game against the Blue Jackets because I am going on vacation and so I'm front loading all of these things, but I think it'll be okay. Flyers are currently playing the Florida Panthers, losing two to one in the first. So that'll give you a little bit of a uh <laughs> time frame of when we're recording this, but um just to get started, since it's the first time we're seeing the Blue Jackets this season, um We kind of know one thing that happened with the Blue Jackets this summer, but um, why don't you kind of take us through kind of who's in, who's out, what's different, what we should expect to see with this team.
1: Yeah, so obviously the big thing was adding Johnny Goudreau, so uh, thank you Chuck Fletcher for deciding that uh, he wasn't worth the cost of signing. Um, It's too too soon. soon. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, and we recognize too that we got very lucky here that he basically just fell into our lap, um, that he needed to be just somewhere in the eastern U.S. generally, and Columbus fit the bill, and we had the cap space. So uh, that was great, and he is paired up with Patrick Linea. Now Linea unfortunately, got injured in the first game of the season, so uh, we were a little bit delayed in seeing how well that could go. He scored a goal and then got hurt, um, but he did come hmm. back um, – the last game before we recorded this against Arizona. And uh, that was a awful game by the Blue Jackets, but the a goudreau line looked really good. Uh, basically, when they've been on the ice together, they've been controlling like 75% of possession. So um, they're great. That's a great combo. that makes me super excited because Goudreau, and even Goudreau playing with then lesser players when a was out, like he was still able to create stuff on his own, He's putting up assists, real putting up goals. Yeah, and it's like kind of amazing like we knew in the abstract like oh yeah gudrow he's a good player but then when you actually like watch him play every day like when i got to finally see him in person it's like oh wow he's like really good it's sort of what we had in artemi panarin um but gudrow might actually even be a little bit better Mm,
0: Um, but it's very
1: similar and you know they're smaller guys but quick and just able to do everything (laughs) they just handle the puck really well just really smart players are able to elevate their linemates. Whoever they're playing with, they're going to make something happen. So uh, in the next game coming up against Boston, Jack Rosovic is going to play center on that line, which I'm excited about. Boone Jenner just was not cutting it there. Uh, I like Boone. I think Boone can be a good player in the right situation. He's not the right center for that line because they need someone who can play fast. And that doesn't just mean a fast skater it's a player who can think fast and act Mm -hmm. fast and do something with the puck immediately when it's on the stick. Like, okay, I'm going to pass it. I'm going to shoot it, or I'm going to skate into space with speed. Um, So I think Roslick is able to do that. uh, And he's picked up his face off numbers. And some people are like, oh, well, we need a center who is good defensively to cover for line A there. But I I think that's overrated because (laughs) with those guys – they're never going to play defense because they just have the puck all the time. So uh, as long as we go offense there, uh, that is great. Um, Defensively, we are still a dumpster fire. Uh, I was hoping that there would be some improvement in that regard because we were awful defensively last year. Um, But, you know, we scored a lot too. So it was kind of like, Oh, we're just a bad, but fun team, you know, high event hockey Um, this, this year. I mean, we're still scoring. Okay. But uh, defensively, you know, they said, oh, we've got this new system, but it is not clear to me what exactly that system is or whether the players have any grasp of it. It seems mm. like a struggle all the time. Um, it's really, really bad. I'm really, really frustrated. Uh, I don't know that Brad Larson's job is in danger, but I feel like the majority of the fan base is sick of him at this point. Um, Larson, he was hired as a, I think, as a placeholder coach for a rebuilding team. But now that we're a team with more talent and more expectations, it feels like he's in over his head. Now, I don't think that anyone thought that this was this was going to be a playoff team this year. I thought they could maybe be a wild card team if all the things broke right, but I wanted to see the team improve on what they did last year, and so far this team actually seems worse. You know, mm. we've had a tough schedule, like six of the teams we've played were playoff teams last year. But we're not even losing close games. You know, we are losing by three goals every time that we've lost. Um, so that is discouraging, you know, sleepwalking against a team like Arizona. That's not great. But then we were able to go into Madison Square Garden and win five to one. So yeah. like, <laughs> so and even in the games we lose, like there's like one period we're like, wow, we're playing really great but they they just can't sustain it for 60 minutes. So a team that looks not prepared, a team that looks lost schematically, a team that can't sustain effort for a whole game. Like, I feel like that all has to fall on the coach.
0: eventually.
1: And so that's where I feel like, like he's lacking.
0: So based off what you said there, that like heading Mm -hmm. into the summer, you were kind of expecting the Blue Jackets to enter into something resembling a rebuild like a team kind of like kind of redoing its whole identity turning itself into something new um one of the things that chuck fletcher (laughs) said about the Gaudreau thing was that he didn't fit our timeline so that's why we didn't think it was a good idea to go out and get him do you think there's like is it possible for it to be negative negative? that you got a guy like Johnny Gaudreau, because it makes me think of New York a little bit. Like they sent out that letter where they're like, we're rebuilding. But then all of a sudden Panarin's like, no, yeah. the only place I'm going to go is New York. And now all of a sudden you've got the superstar and it completely changes the plan that you had. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it seems to have worked there, but also, you know, they left into the, another Lundquist, which is very annoying. Um <laughs> But, but, like, do you kind of, like, seeing the way things are going so far, kind of think, like, ooh, like, maybe this wasn't the best thing for the team long term? Or am I just being...
1: No, no, and and I I was going to bring up Panarin as well, so I'm glad that we're on the same page there, because I think it is a very similar situation to that. Because New York, um, which, yeah, they never really bottomed out as much as they... uh, they thought they were going to because they They never really got a chance to (laughs) well they held, they held on to Kreider they held on to Zibane guys like that um I think in the case of Panarin you know the Rangers they were not ready yet and they were not a good team for the first what two years of Panarin but when a guy like that wants to come to your team you sign him and if you're going to sign him to a Mm seven-year deal you figure well the team's going to get good at some point while he's here so you can't wait till you're good to say oh well who's on the market now You know, um, (laughs) and and maybe maybe you can if you're the Rangers, because you're the Rangers. But if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, it's not every day that a player like that wants to come there. I mean, we had a Panarin and he didn't want to stay here. You know, I think he liked Columbus fine, but it was not New York for him. So if Gaudreau says, hey, I'm interested in coming here and I'll sign a seven year deal. I think that fit with. The Jackets' timeline because we're this was not going to be a five year rebuild. This was going to be a two to three year rebuild. And you know we have Zach Walensky that signed long term last summer. Mm. Uh, We had Patrick Liney who I think they knew this year they were interested in re signing long term. Uh, He was an RFA with one year left before unrestricted free agency, and he seemed to be happy here. He had a better year last year. Um, The Jackets were interested in keeping him long term. Um, so you knew that you have okay, Goudreau, Line Wierenski, Elvis Merzlikens had signed an extension last year. So there's your goalie. And then you have all of these exciting young players that they've drafted, Cole Sillinger, Kent Johnson, David Yurichek. Um, so these are like the new foundation of the team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Goudreau fits with that. And like, so even if they're not make the playoffs this year, but they're, they could take a step forward, get the young guys in, get them experience, and then take the leap maybe the year after that.
0: Yeah, because as you said, when a player like Johnny Gaudreau wants to sign with your hockey team,
1: mm-hmm. you just
0: go ahead and sign him. <laughs> you don't think about it too much.
1: Exactly. You just
0: figure it out and get it done because it's not every day an MVP-level player wants to sign with your hockey team.
1: Yeah. Now, relate. It, Now, <laughs> <laughs> there there were um, there was a cost to it though. And we you know that that happens yeah, yeah, yeah. because because of signing him and then because of giving Liney a raise, they had to make a move to get under the cap. And that move was trading Oliver Bjorkstrand to Seattle for a couple mid round picks. Right. And Bjorkstrand was my favorite player, so it broke my heart. <laughs> and it still hurts every time I see him in a Kraken uniform or see Seattle tweeting about him. Uh that sucks. And um but you know, Goudreau is a better player. So ultimately it's the right thing to do. Now it was also because they signed Eric Goodbranson to a $4 million cap hit over Mm -hmm. four years, um, which is inexcusable. Even before we signed Goudreau, adding Goodbranson was a bad contract, but it has just gotten worse and worse (laughs) with every, it got worse when we signed Goudreau. It got worse when we had to trade Bjorkstrand. It got worse once the season started and we realized like, Oh yeah, he is just as bad as everyone has said in every place he's played. Oh, that's inexcusable. It makes me makes me very, very angry. But if you don't sign guys like Eric Branson or Rasmus Line or whatever, then yeah, you can go out and add all these talented players and you can keep guys like Bjork Strand. So
0: wild, wild yeah.
1: concepts. Just we'll
0: crazy stuff. Um yeah, so let's talk a little bit about what the Blue Jackets have been doing so far this season. As we record this on Thursday, October 27th, the Blue Jackets are three and five mm-hmm. um, losses, well, wins, I should say, over the Rangers, as you mentioned, a five to three win over the Predators, and it looks like a four to three overtime win over Vancouver, which is a disaster. Um, what what's been going well? for the Blue Jackets so far, three and five, obviously not the start that you want in a season, but what would you say has been going well outside of line A and, you know, Gaudreau because that's.
1: Well, as I said, Johnny Gaudreau is uh, as advertised an amazing player. Um, Like in the past on power plays, we've really struggled with zone entries and he can just like skate the puck into the zone. Like, he just does it, and it's, like, easy for him. <laughs> hmm. And I this don't get, strange. like... I wasn't, I wasn't sure that was a thing
0: that could be done.
1: Yeah, like, Nick Felino <laughs> couldn't do that, but Johnny Goudreau can. Okay, great. Hmm. Um, so that's been encouraging. Um, a young player, second-year player, that's been having a breakout season has been uh, Igor Chinnikov. This is a guy who was the first-round pick in the 2020 draft, and he was a guy that, when he was announced as the pick that like even the anchors in canada were like well, I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> he was a uh he was a 19-year-old, he was an overager, he, he just started hmm. playing in the KHL. Um now he ended up having a great year that year, won rookie of the year in the KHL, his team won the Gagarin Cup, and then he came over last year, um spent the whole year with the team. Only played about 60 games. There was an injury there, there were some scratches, um but uh you know, there were flashes of what he could be and then this year you know, I thought he was going to have to go to the AHL, but he came into camp and he's one of those guys that like, I'm going to make the team. He was noticeably bigger, added about 10 to 12 pounds of muscle, had a, uh, was able to play more aggressive, more physical, and just more assertive than offensively as well. He has an amazing shot. Uh, Bob Hartley was his coach in Russia and said that his shot reminded him of Joe Sockage's shot, with mm. just watching him in practice. If you look up his goal uh, against the Rangers, he scored it on a wrister that was like 90 miles per hour or more. His oh, wow. wrister is like other guys' slap shots. <laughs> it's hmm. He's a tremendous player to watch, so keep your eye on him. Um, the other player to watch I, I mentioned before, Kent Johnson, uh, mm-hmm. rookie out of Michigan, he is... So look, as an Ohio State fan, it pains me to say something nice about anyone who wins the University of Michigan. But I love <laughs> Ken Johnson. <laughs> he's a uh he's a tremendous player. Uh funny thing about him is that he actually idolized Johnny Goudreau growing up. Ah. And so that's why he wore the number 13 last year. But then of course, now when Johnny signed, Kent Johnson was more than happy to give the number <laughs> back to him. Uh so and he's a guy who he's a very smart player and I know that he works hard. He studies, uh, other players He studies film. Um, he's a, he's a client of Jack Han. If you're familiar with his work, um, I had him on on the podcast last year and he was like, Oh yeah, Ken Johnson, he's one of my subscribers and I've worked with him." And (laughs) so, and he said, Oh yeah, Ken Johnson, he's a big hockey nerd. So when I heard that, I knew like, yes, this is my guy. And he's another one where he's got, There's just something special there in terms of his ability to see the game, to think the game, to pass the puck, to shoot the puck, just having the puck on his stick. He's the kind of guy that can move through traffic, and the puck just seems like it's taped to the stick. You know, like, how is it staying there? Um, So that's really special. And he got off to a little bit of a slow start, but uh, at the time we're recording this, he is on a three-game goal streak. So that was Hmm. the first three goals of his NHL career. So I'm really excited about his future, and I think maybe even someday he could be the answer for center between Liney and Goudreau. He was drafted as a center, but he had played wing at Michigan and wing for Team Canada. But I think he does have the skill set to be a center. Uh, He played a little bit there preseason, so uh, we'll see if he ends up there long term.
0: So I know that you said that the the defense is a bit of a cluster for you guys right now. What's going on in net? Um, Because I see that the goalies have kind of split. Well, neither one of them is doing particularly well, just based on the numbers. Um, What's the situation there in in goal?
1: Right. So Elvis Merzlikens, he is the incumbent starter. As I said, last summer he had signed a five-year extension that kicks in this year. Um, He's beloved by the fans. He loves to be in Columbus. You know, he should be the guy. And he has had flashes of being an elite-level goaltender. It's Mm -hmm. just been a matter of putting it together consistently. Um, And at the start of the season, he had a non-COVID illness that kept him out of the first two games. So Daniil Tarasov uh, played there. He is a Russian goalie. Still a fairly young guy. Uh he made his debut last year um before suffering a hip injury. Um, but he shows no sign of uh any issue with that. He's been he actually looked pretty good uh in his first three starts. His fourth one was against Arizona and that was a disaster. Um but he is probably the goalie of the future. Uh, he just okay. looks a little bit more NHL ready now than we thought he would be. Um Jonas Corposalo was a free agent over the summer. I wasn't sure that he would stick around because he had a really bad year last year and he was also coming off a hip injury. But the Jackets re signed him to a one year deal, which I think was mostly as a courtesy to him to let him, you know, rehab with the team, hang around the team, um, you know, maybe travel with the team for their games in Finland, his own country, and then, you know, maybe trade him to someone else to a team that needs a goalie um just to give him a shot to play in the NHL but you know I don't think he has any more future here and his game has just fallen off from from what it once was and the defense has been really bad the goalies have even been playing below expected even given what the defense has been given up but I'm not too concerned about them long term because I think with Mersalekins and Tarasov they have all the tools there it's just a matter of getting everything together, getting more consistency. And again, if there can be any sort of defensive structure in front of them, uh, I think that can help them out in the long run.
0: This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay.
1: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the
0: big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip.
1: Just go to frito com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or prohibitive. Here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito com.
0: So you guys aren't going to get to see your old pal Cam because, regrettably, um, he has contracted whatever illness or curse <laughs> that afflicts all of the Philadelphia Flyers in that he is injured and we don't know what his injury is and we don't know when he will be back. Um, so unfortunately you you guys yeah. won't get to see Cam, but, um, looks like our boy Jake is doing Jake things, five points, all of them assists. Um, how he look so far this year?
1: Not great. Uh-oh. Um, he's had a bit of a rough start. Yeah. He has been able to put some points together. Um, Basically, when he's been able to play with Kent Johnson, like that line has been pretty good. Um mm-hmm. but otherwise, other times he has he has looked rough. Um coughing up the puck at times, uh getting buried in his own zone, just the, the possession numbers look really, really bad for him. Um maybe just like looks a little, little step slower, maybe. Um yeah. so I don't know if it's a case of this is Father Time finally catching up with him. Or maybe if it's just a slump, Um, we'll see. Uh, I hope he can snap out of it. Um, I I love the guy. Um, You know, I had sort of, when we reacquired him, he is basically a distant memory at that point. I remember him playing in Glovis. I didn't remember much about him at the time. It's just kind of like, oh, shoot. Well, we wish we still had the good player, you know, but we gave him up for a trade that went horribly for us. So, you know, oh, well. But um, it's great to have him back. He embraced the opportunity to come back. He's been a good, good locker room guy, you know, keeps it really loose there. But at the same time, he, you know, earned praise from the coaches and his teammates for being the guy that always competes really hard. You know, like Zach Wierenski said that in practice, uh, Jake doesn't like to lose. Even in practice, if they're doing a scrimmage, he has to win. And so Zach likes to be on the other team so that he can, like, beat him and see how mad he gets about it. (laughs) So it's kind of funny to hear that because in, like, interviews and stuff, he's generally a pretty happy guy and he's making jokes he's you know getting into fights on twitter <laughs> so it's funny to see that he actually does really care about about winning and losing but yeah he's been he's been a little uh a little off there
0: yeah it's uh he was back in some flyers twitter mentions
1: <laughs> yeah saw that
0: <laughs> being, being
1: <laughs> yeah go, go, going after your boy charlie there so
0: <laughs> yeah, poor charlie he can You can't get a break when it comes to forecheck. It's actually pretty hilarious. Um, So the last thing I want to ask you about, um, kind of obviously, is John Tortorella. Mm -hmm. Um, So far, you know, we're in the honeymoon phase of the John Tortorella experience here in Philly. Um, Saying all the right things, team looks like a professional hockey team, (laughs) which we haven't seen in a while. So he's obviously you know, doing some stuff, making some changes. Um, if you had, like, one thing that you think Flyers fans need to know about the John Tortorella experience, what would that be?
1: Ooh, boy. Oh, a good um, question. I never yeah, that. that's a good question. Because <laughs> uh, Torts is, uh, well, he's like an onion, you know, he's got layers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm a big Torch fan I loved him here I really have a ton of appreciation for what he brought here Um, I did think at the end of 2021 That that was the right time for him and the team to move on Mm -hmm. from each other Um, And I think we knew when he came in That there was going to be a shelf life there But that he would make the team better for a little bit Yeah, And actually that shelf life lasted a lot longer than I thought it would Um, Me too,
0: actually. It it only really went
1: bad at the very end. And I think there were a lot of factors that went into that. I think, you know, all the various, you know, COVID rules and issues with the schedule and all that. I I just think it wore wore thin on him. And and I just think he needed a break. And um, seems like he's recharged there in Philly, which is is great to see. Um, He's a guy that he installs discipline on the team and he demands the best from his players and just asks that they work hard, you know, and... They don't all necessarily need to be the same kind of player. I think that's a misconception that, you know, Torts just wants the, the grinder types. But, you know, he and Panarin got along great because Panarin, for being a flashy skilled player, he came in and worked hard all the time and worked hard every shift. And so Torts appreciated that and just didn't have much to say to him then. Like, okay, yeah, go do your thing. Great. right? And, and they were fine with each other. Um, it's the players that take a shift off or don't give 100% all the time, that's where Torts gets frustrated, and that's where he's going to demand more. Mm. And I, I got to say, though, I'm, I'm surprised at what a great start Philadelphia's gotten off to. Um, you and, and I both, think, buddy. I think in some ways, <laughs> one th- reason why I thought it was a bad hire is because I don't think Torts is great with a veteran-heavy team because mm. I think the seasoned veterans are going to tune him out. Or they're not yeah. going to want to have to put up with his demanding personality. It, you know, like, telling him, oh, you got to do it this way, this way. And like, hey, we're pros. We don't. We know how to do this, right? Um, I think that's what went wrong in Vancouver. Whereas teams like Tampa, New York, Columbus, he came in as the team was coming out of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to guide a young team into, this is how you need to play to win. And the young guys bought into it. But with Philly, if you've got you know Ellis, Couturier, Atkinson that are out of the picture, what you have are a lot of young players. Yes, mm-hmm. or you have older players who are maybe not secure in their position in the NHL, and so they're willing to be told what to do to stick in the lineup, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and when you have a team where no one expects much out of them, and it you can get that sort of us against the world mentality. Yeah. I think Torts is really good at pressing that button. And I think it's clicking with this group. Now, can they sustain it for a full season? You know, we'll see. And I think even in Columbus, even in the good seasons, things tended to rise and fall a bit. The team could be streaky. Now, when they were hot, they could get very, very hot. Um, But there are also times where they inevitably hit a wall. Um, Now, he did also keep them from hitting too many long losing streaks he'd find a way to stab him out of it eventually um but so be prepared for you know the good run can't last forever eventually oh, no just that style you know it's hard hard to maintain for for more than a few months at a time
0: yeah the flyers are uh it's going to be interesting to see what they look like when carter hart inevitably is not, not. a 949 goaltender because that's obviously not sustainable. So at some point he's going to come back down to earth. And you know, when he's putting up a 915, is this mm-hmm. team winning a lot of games? I'm not so sure. So
1: Well, yeah, um, and, and goalie was a big part of the story for Tortorella. So obviously his mm-hmm. first 3 full seasons here, he had Sergei Bobrovsky and one of those was a Vezina season and yeah. that makes the coaches look better when the goalie's playing that well. And I think he and he built his system around having Bob uh that's when he had his safe as death mentality so he actually like wanted a team that was aggressive offensively like had, take chances mm-hmm. because if we cough one up the other way you've got Bob and Net that can generally make the save
0: That's and interesting so, he's he said that here too
1: Yeah and like, so the possession numbers the were great yeah. yeah now after Bob left then you had Corpusalo and Marcus Lekins splitting duties and Elvis was new to the NHL at that point Corpy was new to being a starter and Torch changed the system so that it was, we're going to play very conservatively, we're going to hunker down in our zone, and we'll let you get into the zone, but we're not going to let you get near the goal. So the mm-hmm. possession numbers flipped and were below 50% there. But if you looked at the expected goals, if you looked at the high danger chances, that's where the defense was really suffocating. And the team managed to be successful that season. Despite losing all those star players, they didn't have as much elite talent, but they were still very good defensively and they played as yeah. a team and, and were able to be successful. Even as they had injuries to guys like Cam Atkinson and Oliver Bjorkstrand, they were still able to hang around there in a playoff spot. And then when they got guys healthy, they were able to, you know, beat Toronto in the bubble. Right. So so he was able to work with a couple different styles, but in every case it was based around how the goalies were were playing and things went better that year once, you know, it took Corsell a couple months, but then he had a hot month and then he got hurt and Elvis st- stepped in and Elvis finally found his game, you know? So it was always the, the goalies playing well that really carried the success there uh, under Tortorella.
0: So asking people to predict the final score of a <laughs> hockey game is always ridiculous. It's always just for funsies, but it's even more ridiculous when we're talking about a game that's happening precisely two weeks from now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so project yourself into November and give me a final score for this hockey game.
1: All right. Well, I, I will be there in the building, oh. and I'm sure there will be a tribute video for torts, and I'm sure mm-hmm. it'll make me cry, so I'll make a prediction for that. Okay. Um, I'll, make, I'll make two predictions. If the Jackets lose they will lose by three goals because so far all five of their losses have been by three goals. If they win, I think it's going to be, let's say a three, two win in overtime.
0: Okay. I like it for no particular reason, but I like it. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that this, for some reason, I I like the idea of the Flyers losing this game because Jake Voracek decides that he's pissed off <laughs> and he just he goes out there and he's a madman and then post game Tortorella gets really pissed off that the Flyers like dogged it mm. in front of his own his old team and then um like bag skates them again because that's. I think that's funny. Um, So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say jackets. Let's go. Let's go three to one. Okay.
1: Yeah, and again, both these teams feel like they could. Any possibility is out there. Oh my god, Uh, it's really hard to predict both these teams because I think that both teams are trying to find themselves, and it's not sure Mm -hmm. are they good, are they bad, what are they? They're just trying to figure it out. So really, anything can happen, and I'm excited.
0: I could see it being like a crazy high event, like five-four game, mm-hmm. and I could see it being an incredibly boring one-nothing game. Like both of those outcomes make perfect sense to me.
1: Yeah, and wh- wh- whatever goalies are in there, they could play really great, or they could have a stinker. Just never yep. know.
0: Yep, I'm assuming you're going to get hard because it's not. I don't believe it's a back-to-back for the Flyers, um, and it seems like right now they're only playing
1: Sandstrom and back-to-back. So.
0: We'll see which version of Carter Hart you get.
1: Yeah, and the Jackets, that will be their first game coming back from Finland. So they will have oh. had four days off, but that also includes flying back from Europe. So will they have had enough time to get over the jet lag? You know, mm. who knows? that That's another factor there. And if I have my wish, they will leave Brad Larson in Finland and come back with a new head coach. <laughs> but uh, that's probably not going to happen.
0: Will PD be over his jet lag? in the press box for this game
1: oh probably not
0: perfect i hope they give you guys free snacks
1: well and actually i don't have credentials so i'll be watching it from (sighs) section 107 so i'll just be drinking a beer and
0: crying and probably
1: still jet lag so
0: honestly better yeah it's i i get why people like want to be in the press box you know with what we do our little blogs that we have Mm -hmm. um but i really like cheering for the hockey team so yep
1: I don't want to have I'm to act good. like a professional, you know. Absolutely, I can't, never. I can't
0: not cheer for the game, you know. So. No, I, I, it would be impossible for me, and then people would look at me, and then you know, <laughs> ugh, no, thank you, I'm I'm good down with the uh the regular folks. All right, PD, thank you very much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Two weeks in advance, I
1: know it's weird, but
0: <laughs> we're making it work.
1: Um, Happy to do it anytime.
0: If you would like to tell people where they can find you on the internet, please feel free.
1: Yeah, you can check out our Jackets coverage at JacketsCanon.com. We're on Twitter at cannon, and I'm on Twitter at pale dragon seabus.
0: All right. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy that trip to Finland. Sounds like it's going to be awesome. I hope they give you a little bit of a show out there and that you share lots of pictures for us to see on Twitter. Absolutely, And,
1: and same for you with Paris.
0: Thank you. All right. Well, enjoy the games, everybody. Go Flyers. It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freakin' Rocks.